Yes, welcome back to another episode of Bird Bros. Just as Matt Ryan throws the pass to the opposite team every week, we are here with you to bring you Falcons opinion, Falcons talk, recap on the last week, and preview, preview on the next week. I'm Ron Brown. Tonight I have AV with me. Yo, what's up? What's up, bro? That's a great intro. Uh, <laughs> just as Matt Ryan throws an interception on a weekly you got your weekly bird, bro. That's a great way to start. Yes, the show. Yes. I mean, week week 14, man, we've been sticking in and we thank everybody for listening. Uh, hitting us up on Twitter. We love it. We love the feedback. And hey, if one person listens or hits us up with a comment, we're happy. And we just love interacting with fellow fans. But we also like talking Falcons and, and we're going to get into it. Another loss this week as we've become accustomed to, unfortunately. To the Bucks, they sweep us for the first time since 2007, as we talked about last week. But uh, where do we go from here, Av? Where do we go from here? Uh, the playoff chances are pretty uh, slim right now, so you got to salvage the season. How do we salvage that season? And give me a brief look back on last week's game. Yeah, I mean another loss, 20, uh, 19 to twenty three or 23-19, however you prefer to look at it. To the Bucks, uh, a game that the the Falcons had almost every opportunity to win. Again, another breakdown with the defense. Uh, the play that's probably the most talked about from that game, third and nineteen, James Winston eluding several Falcons defenders um, and somehow you know making a, a play that keeps that drive alive um, and ultimately enables the the Bucks to get the go ahead score for the win uh it's, it's been tough i mean one in five the last six um turnover after turnover the game ended the same way this show began with the matt ryan interception for, from our side so um it's about being consistent with not turning the ball over um the offense not stalling and for the last two almost two months that's what we've seen the offense that can't get out of its own way and a defense that even though it's played better just can't make enough plays. So it's been that same consistent blueprint week after week. And this was the first time I think that you actually heard a little bit of the frustration boil over a little bit more. I think it had been starting to build from the last few weeks. But this time you heard about Dan Quinn being angry, you know, in the the press the post-game press conference. That was the first time, at least from my vantage point, that I've heard him express that. So you have that part of it. Um, you have another talk of another team, uh, players only team meeting where you got Julio involved, you got Roddy involved, uh, O'Brien Schofield involved. So you got Matt Ryan answering questions about Shanahan seemingly every week of, of is this offense the right fit. Um, it's a lot of stuff that's going on that's not really productive for the team. So um, at six and six, are the playoff chances completely done? Not really. Uh, but it's looking pretty tough right now, especially since we can't seem to get it on track on either side of the ball. So uh, six and six, uh, probably our toughest game of the year coming up on the road at Carolina. Uh, they, you know, undefeated, easily the best team in the league right now. So it's going to be tough. And, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see how they respond on Sunday. But uh, winless in the NFC South so far as well. It'd be a great time to get a win, spoil their perfect season. but. You know, it's tough to envision that with the way we've been playing recently. Yeah, yeah, we really can't see it. And I want to look – I want to kind of take a, a quick look back at earlier in the season as we started – was that 5-1? and one, And I guess we kind of got fat on some – on a bad division, the NFC East. And we also played the AFC South, probably two – we'll say two of the worst divisions in, in the NFL right now. So 
I guess that start was an aberration. We probably we had some inconsistencies as well. So that kind of showed us maybe we're not as good as we are. But I mean, we couldn't we haven't won in, in a few weeks, in weeks, you know. So the Tampa Bay game was a game we thought we could get a W, but Jameis showed, you know, hey, this guy's good. And I also look at Matt Ryan as you talked about his issues. Um, is it with Kyle Shanahan? There was a quote, I believe, from him where he said he wasn't picking it up as fast as he could have. Or some, I'm so, I know it's a misquote, but the gist of his statement was he wasn't catching on to the system. And you think, hey, eighth-year guy, I know it's not – you need some continuity when it comes to an offensive system. And Matt really has not had that, but come on, man, we need this, you know. And then I hear a lot of people saying, well, Matt doesn't have the weapons and da-da-da. And it's not always good to make a comparison, but – Compare him to the guy up I-85 in Charlotte. That man doesn't have the greatest line. He doesn't have many weapons, but he's finding a way to win. And I guess, you know, you have to have a, a good supporting cast around Matt to get W's. And, you know, the fans have grown weary. I know fellow fans have grown weary. A lot of people have been calling for his head. His real role, there's going to be a scapegoat for this season. Do you see it being uh, Dimitrov and Pioli or – Maybe Kyle Shanahan, is there more to it, do you think? Or whose head do you believe will roll after after the year? I mean, to be honest with you, I think it's going to be all of the above approach. I mean, I don't think Kyle Shanahan returns. I mean, if you think about the way that he's – the places he's been at recently, when he, whether it was in Cleveland as offensive coordinator or even with the Redskins, he didn't leave those teams on the best of terms. Uh, you know, there's been a lot of uh, rumors about his personality, how he's able to mesh – you know, with the quarterbacks, how he meshes with teams. But I, I think almost certainly he will be out. I don't see how uh, how you could justify having an offensive coordinator whose offense has continued not only to regress, but you've seen a franchise quarterback take a step back as well. So I don't see any way where he's able to reasonably come back. Um, I do think you will see a front office shakeup. I don't think see how Dimitrov is able to, to survive this. Uh, Pioli, I'm not sure how he's able to survive this either. So you could be looking for a new general manager, a new offensive coordinator um, relatively quickly. And it just depends, you know, as soon as this season is over, which at this point looks like the Saints game will be the last game of the year. As soon as that game is over, um, I'm sure that there will be a, a pretty quick turnaround on, on making some decisions, getting the right guys back in here. But this is a team that lacks playmakers, um, offensively has not played well, seems, you know, disjointed from quarterback to offensive line to everybody. And like you said, this has been, it seemed like the first five weeks were almost like a mirage or aberration as opposed to what we thought it was, was maybe the start of something big. So, you know, it's been a complete 180 from that. And now we have to see exactly where this team goes from here. But, um, you know, obviously Matt's getting a lot of criticism and rightfully so, you know, he's already got 13 picks, number two in the league in interceptions um, this season. And, you know, he is closing in on setting a new career high with interceptions um, with four games to go. So you could definitely see him breaking that. Uh, Panthers play them twice, one of the best secondaries and defenses in football. So, you know, if he's throwing interceptions against some of the worst defenses in football, just imagine, you know, how it'll be for him playing a hostile crowd up in Charlotte. So uh, I do think that the team is going to take a very different look next year. Um, and I definitely think you'll see some changes with the the management and also with offensive coordinator. You know, I, I look at that and of course heads will roll, but when you say moving on from Shanahan and people suggest that, 
I think there needs to be some some continuity if you want to see if the system will work. Obviously, the run game is, has improved leaps, leaps and bounds. So you, you may lose that if you lose Shanahan. So I'm kind of towing the line. I'm torn between let him go and, you know, Matt, he has to shoulder some of the blame as well. Of course, you can't say everything is his fault, but we're not winning because of him, you know. So, I mean, I, th- I think one of the things you got to look at, though, is where, like, where is your bread buttered? We have a $100 million franchise quarterback. It's on Matt has to play better, like period, point blank. That, no that's at the end of every discussion is that he has to play better. But I do think you have to look at what you're getting from this offense. And you get, I mean, in my opinion, you're getting diminishing returns. So even if that does mean, okay, maybe Devontae's not going to get as many looks or as many opportunities in a new offense, who is the face of the franchise? Who are we relying on? And I think that you have to look at, you know, you got a, a wide receiver you just put a lot of money into from this offseason. He's frustrated. You got Roddy White. Who knows what his future is going to be for this team next year? But he's still, uh, as it stands, one of your better wide receivers. You got a lot invested on this offense. So Matt Ryan's got to play better, but he's got to be in a system where he feels and has the control to play better. You know, we've talked a lot about it on um, on some of the message boards that the show was simulcast on. Shout out to the Kylie. Uh, we've talked a lot about some of the offenses that Matt has been under, the different offensive coordinators. He, When he started out, he was under Mike uh, Mike Malarkey. And, you know, that was a more, you know, ground-oriented, play-action, very conservative game management approach. That worked well for him when he was just coming into the league as a rookie in his first couple of seasons. Then we wanted to get up-tempo. Remember Mike Smith talking about being explosive and explosive plays. You draft Julio, you bring in – Dirk Cutter is an offensive coordinator. You start seeing more of the spread uh, offense. We got three or four wide receivers. You see Matt really start to take that leadership role and really start slinging the ball all over the place. So you went from, you know, more ground oriented to where an approach where we were throwing a ball and had some top wide receivers to where we're at now, where we're not able with the zone uh, zone blocking scheme, able to really take advantage of some of the skills that, you know, Matt has where he does excel in the two minute. He does excel at pre-snap at the line. We're not able to take advantage of, of his strengths with this offense, and he has not looked good really to me since uh first half of that Houston game. So, And that was you know two months, two and a half months ago. So I think they definitely got to figure out what's going to work. And if Shanahan comes back, maybe there's a collaborative approach um, in how this offense is implemented, but you know, for you know, Matt's going to defend his guy, and and I don't think they have a, a a bitter relationship. But there's no way I think that he can come back the same way as he did this year, because there's no way that he will be allowed with a new stadium opening for this team to be this bad this quickly within one season. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely an interesting turn of events. Just how even we sound. You know, at the beginning of the year, we were all agreeing like, yeah, this is this, this is great. Everybody was kind of on the same page now. We're kind of dissenting a little bit and not even looking forward to the next few games. We're looking at the next year, and it's – man, it's Atlanta it's Falcons football, Atlanta sports fandom. I yeah. Just, it's tough for me, man. I mean, it's tough for you, too. You you know a little bit about the Hawks. You know the Hawks. Yeah. And I mean, I'm a Braves fan, and I know this is kind of bleeding over to other sports, but, man – I got to hear this trash talk all the time. I got people texting my phone saying how bad the Falcons are or, you know, we, we choke all the time. So <laughs> it's kind of tough to hear, man. But going forward, 
like I, I kind of brought it up earlier, but salvaging the year, man, is it trying to get to the playoffs or is it touching on those things that, that you were saying earlier, just opening up the offensive playbook a little bit more where we can throw the ball better and seeing what Shanahan, what other wrinkles he can throw into his offense. Because obviously if, of course, like we said, it's Matt Ryan a little bit, but you always got to put your quarterback in a position to win. And that's sometimes changing up your philosophy and, and maybe throwing some plays out of the playbook and just putting them in a position to win. You know, I, I heard a really interesting theory on kind of like why the Falcons and uh, Kyle Shanahan have not done more two-minute up-tempo. And I thought it was interesting, but I did want to bring it to the show just to kind of get your thoughts and maybe some of the listeners out there too. What I heard, and I heard it this morning um, on another uh, another former Falcon who mentioned this, he said when you don't have a defense that – is strong enough or deep enough to quickly get back on the field you got to manage how you do the two minute because if you're doing a two minute no huddle hurry up offense all the time you're getting your guys back on the field quickly and if you don't have a lot of defensive talent and defensive depth to begin with you can't then expect to have any type of defensive consistency if you're quickly bringing your guys back in so you might get up and down the field and five to seven, maybe 10 plays, but that drive might take a minute, two minutes. Those defensive guys are tired. They're getting right back on the field within a five or 10 minute span. So that's been one of the reasons that I've heard, and I've never thought about it from that perspective, but thinking about the defense, can we do and maintain an up-tempo, no-huddle attack to the point where, okay, defense, come right back out. We just scored a touchdown. We just scored a field goal. Come on, or, or the event like we've been seeing, we don't score, but we ran a hurry up, you know, uh, no huddle up tempo offense. So, yeah, we didn't score. We ran eight plays, but we didn't score. But y'all need to get back out on the field. So managing that part of it, too. When do you call it? How you know, what is the, pl- the flow of the game? When is it appropriate to, to try to really hurry it up has also been uh, a point of contention. But, um, you know, I think as far as just like for the rest of the season, what would I hope to see and kind of what do they need to do? Just let it all hang out. I mean, there's a lot of frustration going on up at Flowery Branch with the team, the rumors of bickering and infighting. At this point, just go out there and play and just ball. Like, I don't really think there's another approach uh, that they can have at this point because of the fact that they play so poorly. So at this point, the playoffs, I don't even think the playoffs are a legitimate goal. I playoffs? Think it, yes. Insert Jim Mora. Yes. <laughs> I don't think I don't think that the playoffs are a reasonable goal anymore. I think at this point, finish with a a winning a winning record, which would require you'd have to beat the Panthers at least once. Um, Jacksonville is a winnable game. The Saints, that's a winnable game at home. You got to beat the Panthers once. Finish nine and seven as a rookie head coach. Uh, Obviously, a big collapse, but I think that's a way to salvage um, the season. So that to me would be the main goal. And then from there, it would be it would be seeing, OK, we're at our lowest point right now. Who is going to still stand up and fight and play hard? And who really wants to be here as a Falcon? And uh, doing the entire observation of the whole roster, because right now we're not playing for nothing more than pride to me at this point. So if you got guys out there who not not trying, they're not playing their hardest, then that should already kind of give you a glimpse into what next year's roster will look like when Dan Quinn's going to have even more control and even more of an understanding of what he wants this team to look like. So, you know, I think that will be interesting to see how this team approaches the next few weeks, knowing division is out of reach. 
playoffs is a slim to, to zero chance. How do you bounce back and then still try to play competitive football with some, you know, games that aren't going to be gimmies coming up? Yeah. Now, you did bring up a good point. I, I didn't think about that uh, two-minute drill as it relates to the defense as well because the short answer is no, we don't have the depth and uh, the, the personnel to sustain after, you know, the offense is on the field for three minutes. So that was a good point. That And like you said, that'll be bolstered next year when Dan Quinn has more of a feel for his defense and what he would like to do and how he'll implement his players and playmakers and everything. <clears throat> Excuse me. But, uh, you know, that's kind of the, the Bucks aim and what we see going forward. A quick note I want to make. Uh, last week, I don't know if you remember, uh, A.V., I predicted – Devin Hester would have 120 all-purpose yards uh, in his return from uh, injury, the turf toe injury. And looking at the numbers, he only finished with 50 total yards, <laughs> 47 on kick returns and three punt return yards. So I came up 70 yards short on my prediction. And, uh, <laughs> it's all right, man. Don't don't feel too bad, man. It's, it's yeah, I good. won't feel too bad. Man. He didn't even get involved in offense at all. So I was thinking he would get some looks uh, – with some gadget plays or whatnot, but you know, hey, we've been wrong a lot this year. <laughs> so uh, you know, we're gonna keep it moving. This will be another short edition of Bird Bros. Is uh, be tuned into your feed and uh, on SoundCloud or however you consume our podcast because there'll be another episode. <clears throat> excuse me, right along with this one, which will be our behind the enemy lines episode with with Panthers fans. Man, we hear a lot of talk with our Panthers fans on, on the form that we frequent, the collie.com, as you mentioned. So for our collie bros, as we call them, and anybody else listening, good debate will be coming, will be, uh, is in your feed right now with AV and a couple other Panthers fans. So definitely tune into that <clears throat> after you listen to the, after you listen to this episode. Now we're going to go quickly around the NFC South. There's only two games to mention as we play the Bucks in division and the Panthers moved to 12 and 0 as they beat, our favorite rival, our most hated rival, the New Orleans Saints, 41-38. It was actually a pretty good game, but Cam and his Panthers dab, dab their way into a victory. I don't even know if I said that right. Sounding older than I am. But uh, <laughs> they, they got the W. He had five uh, – Cam had five touchdowns, and and it was just a, a pretty good game on both sides, actually. We know that Saints defense is – Woke material, as you call it, worst of all time. <laughs> so, uh, you know, they moved to 12 and 0. We'll talk a little bit more about the Panthers in that Behind Enemy Lines episode. So, you all check that out. But I'll go ahead and give the floor to you as you uh, give us a reason why the Saints so. Oh, man. How, how many reasons have we come up with in the, uh, what you said, 14 weeks? Man. Yeah, uh, probably about nine or 10. There's been a couple on the website, a couple episodes we missed out on, but. I'll say, yeah, close to 14, but we look forward to him. Go ahead and give it to us, A.V. Yeah, man. Reason number 1,234 why the Saints suck. Take us back to a reeling New Orleans Saints team fresh off of another home loss. The Carolina Panthers, as you just mentioned, 41-38. Now, the Saints defense has been historically awful all year. The Saints lead the NFL in yards allowed, 425 yards per game. They've given up 35 touchdown passes. NFL record for touchdown pass allowed in a season is 40 by the 63 Broncos. The Saints opponent's passer rating is 116.6. Yes, 116.6. 
That's the average when you play the Saints if you're a quarterback. The mark for worst passer rating is 110.9 by the 0-16 Lions in 2008. Also, the Saints lead the NFL in defensive penalties. So we talked a lot about why the Saints are terrible all year, but this is actually a little bit more specific because now we've got columnists and analysts from around the NFL who they've had it. So let me read a couple of these uh, quotes to you from the Twitterverse. This is from Coach Brian Billick. I can't recall a more atrocious secondary than these Saints. Missed assignments, horrible technique, slow, bad angles, complete gut job. So tell us how you really feel, Coach. Trey Wingo of ESPN. At this rate, the Saints are on pace to give up 3,040 touchdown passes this season. The NFL record is 40. Obviously, he's being facetious, but still. Uh, Shannon Sharp. Watching B. Browner of Saints cover today. This is my favorite. This is my favorite one. <laughs> I'm convinced he couldn't cover a twin bed with the king sheet. <laughs> <laughs> and it's official. This is from uh, Ashok Moore of ESPN. It's official. The Saints defense may be the worst in NFL history. I could throw three touchdowns against them today. Saints quarterback Brian Browner uh, responded to the barb from Shannon Sharp, responding with the personal insult. It's easy to talk with fake teeth. So clearly things have gone off the rails for the Saints this year. Um, they're back and forth with the media over Twitter insults. Uh, the defense, you know, has obviously lost Rob Ryan, who got fired uh, a few weeks ago. They're in a lot of transition. Sean Payton may not be with the team next year. So, you know, the reasons why they suck will continue to grow despite the season coming to a close. But that is officially reason number 1,234 why the Saints suck. And we thank you for that. And, yeah, they're pretty bad. But that, that Shannon Sharp quote, when I saw that on Twitter earlier, I was rolling. He's known for his, his big trash talk throughout his career. And even after his career, he's been a, a guy with a lot of quotables, man. But Shannon Sharp, got to love him. Yep. Shout out Savannah State as well, <clears throat> the Hall of Famer. So uh, that will actually wrap up this episode of bird bros as i said check your feed right now it'll be a behind enemy lines episode uh right there next to this episode you listen to right now so if you listen to it on stitcher or we're on pod bay soundcloud click the link on facebook it's everywhere uh the link will be there for you to click we want you to rate subscribe to us uh, through those different mediums send us a comment email us twitter we're very accessible and uh, just show us your love, feedback. We love to answer questions and, and fellowship and talk with our fellow Falcons fans. That'll be it. Have a great night. That's it. Peace. Yo. Yep.